Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important today than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. And we have my good friend and business partner here in the Whale Club, Paul Sparks. He's not only a very successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, we do this show because a wise man once asked, you know, if you look at the last three years of your business by months and turned all your negative months into zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? And that is Dan Nicholson. So we're here to help you achieve financial certainty by rigging the game in your favor. Now, I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. And the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take a consistent action, you will become one. And if you get value today, please share this episode right now. It's all we ask, you know, that way we can all grow together. And as we discuss these concepts, there's going to be some open loops. My challenge to you, keep these loops as open for as long as possible. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, desire. You know, you want to close the loop. Resist that urge as much as you can, uh, because I, I promise you the more open it is, the more receptive you are to some of these uh, conversation pieces, uh, the more valuable this show may be for you. So we'll start with six-word updates. I'm going to go first, and then I'll uh, hand it over to Paul. So my six-word update People like ridiculous shirts of me. <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. That was great. I got I got quite a chuckle about that. I actually tuned in late to the disruptors call, and I saw Leon wearing a, like a plain white tee, and I was kind of like, "What's he wearing that for?" I I didn't quite get it until I watched it back, and or I, I guess I saw it on social media and saw yeah. saw the everybody on the team wearing that. So that was that was great. So your six word update. <laughs> my six word update is clarity without solvable problem becomes worthless. Mm. Uh, I think let us make the argument right in, in uh, very, very shortly. So yeah. So today we're going to be talking about reducing, reducing decision anxiety with solvable problem trademarked. So why don't you go ahead and lead us off? Yeah, sure. So, Let's talk about what the solvable problem is. Um, I love that phrase. For those of us that are technically minded, like 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 you and I are as engineers, um, it just sounds like a math equation, and that's basically what it is. It's a way to turn your goals into a math equation. Right. And we're going to talk in this show about why that's so important. And you know, my six word update was clarity without a solvable problem becomes worthless mm-hmm. because. It's our, it's our North star. It's our, it's our, how do we know whether we're on track or we're not on track to, to get to our goals? That's what the solvable problem does. Yeah. So I think it'd be hard to discuss a solvable problem without closer versus more. So do we want to spend a few minutes there first before we jump into solvable problem or do we want to get straight into the math equations? No, let's talk about closer versus more because all these things, they weave together like a lattice. And we've talked about this many times. It's hard to pull one of these phrases or frames or principles out without really considering all the others that are involved. So closer versus more is the first wealth commandment that we have. So what does closer versus more mean to you? We've been talking about this for quite a while now. How do you, how do you understand that? Well, um, before... If uh, I didn't before understanding closer versus more, I always had a situation where it was always just more, right? Um, and so if I'm always chasing more, really all it means is I can only measure progress by comparing to where I was before, right? So if I am at X net worth today, I need to be X plus one net worth tomorrow because that is 
only way we can have measurable progress. But it's progress for the sake of progress. It's not progress for any kind of purpose. And I think that's kind of, you know, some of us might feel directionless at time, directionless at times, because we're just trying to chase more without, and we have a why, but more does not lead to why, but we just kind of have always, I don't know, been wired, hardwired to believe that more uh, solves our why when it doesn't necessarily solve our why. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked to the other, I guess it was last week about the biology behind this. I mean, humans are not hardwired to be um, satisfied. We're hardwired right. to maximize, to chase more and more and more. And this just has to do with the way our brains have developed over you know, a significant amount of time. In the modern world, we're not um, under attack by cheetahs. And we most of us know where our next meal is going to come from, right? So this, uh, this idea of scarcity is what created this more. We always want to try to get more and more and more and more. And again, that served us evolutionary, evolutionarily. I don't know if that's a word, yeah. but but today it doesn't serve us. Yeah, back when we were um, hunting mammoths and, and and whatever, probably no one back then was really morbidly obese, right? <laughs> you right. Just never back then, like you you feasted, but it was really truly feast or famine back then. You didn't know where your next meal was coming from. You couldn't reliably count on any of that. So because of that, we had to take every opportunity we could and maximize it. Yep. And that's just not the case nowadays. We don't have that same uh, evolutionary need. And so when we talk about getting closer to the things that we want, it's truly with an understanding that, first of all, we're hardwired to chase more and more and more. This probably resonates really well with a lot of the people that are listening to this as business owners. The perfect example is, yeah, but I could make more money if I did this. Mm-hmm. What you're not realizing is that there's a trade-off to every decision you make. We do not have unlimited resources. So when we make this decision to go more and more and more and more, and most of the time we're talking about business, we're talking about money, like in this case, right? There's other ways to apply it, but let's talk about money in this case. Um, so a couple of things, when you're chasing more, you're, you're also not recognizing the risks and the trade-offs a lot of times. And how do you know when enough is enough? Right. How how do we know when we've got there? You know, um, I remember getting into real estate saying, man, if I could just earn $100,000 a year in passive income, I'd be set. I remember telling, you know, friends, family, this, if I could get to 100,000, all of a sudden that, that goalpost has moved. Countless times. Yeah, imagine that, that it might actually move again. And so this is most of the time has to do with our hardwiring, our proclivity towards more. And so how do we address that? How do we, what mechanism, what tool do we use to first of all, help us stop chasing more? Yeah. We got to have clarity on what we want, but how do we know if we're getting closer or not? So let me, before we do that, right, just do a quick case in point, you know, or hypothetical here. You know, like right now, let's just say the market was ripping hot like it was beginning of this year, right? Not right now, but like ripping hot beginning of the year. I come to you, Paul, and I give you a pro forma, right? I say, hey, Paul, I got this flip. I think it's a good opportunity. Smack dab, middle of Denver. You know, you can buy it for 70% of market value. And, you know, if you can put 15K into it, you're going to walk away 10% net profit. 
right? And in a vacuum, you'll do that all day, every day. But it doesn't necessarily take into account what's your cash situation looking like? How many contractors you got going on? What's your hard money payments looking like right now? Are your guys at capacity? Are we stretching them even more, right? Like all those questions are never asked. It's just, will we make profit on this deal? Yes, sign it. And that's about as far as the decision-making process goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm guilty of this. I do this still, constantly. This is just a tool to help us do it less, right? Right. So we're going to do this. First of all, we got to give ourselves a little bit of grace and understand, like, we're hardwired this way. We didn't ask for this. We were given this. This is biology, and we have to recognize that that's the case. This is the human mindset that Dr. Jeff talks about. But we don't have to react based on our human mindset. It served us uh, in the woolly mammoth days. It does not serve us necessarily in business. And so you, 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 that's a great case in point. I'd like to give a, an example, uh, the Google Maps example. And so perfect analogy of chasing more. And, and, and how to actually use a solvable problem to get you closer to the things that you want. So I'm in Denver. And a perfect example of chasing more might be saying, I'm in Denver and I want to go north. It's, you know, and it's like north in this case represents I want to make more money. So I want to go north. And think about Google Maps for a second here. If you're to go in Google Maps... First thing Google Maps asks you is, where are you? What's your current location? What's the second thing it asks you? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? So if you put in, I'm here in Denver. First of all, it's going to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to, you could be on the east side of Denver. You could be on the west side of Denver, but I'm just going to make a guess and say that you, if you say Denver, you're like right in the middle of Denver. So first of all, having clarity around where are you is very important. But secondly, when it says you type in, where are you going? And you're just like North. What's Google Maps going to do? It doesn't know how, does not know how to answer that formula. I, I can't really tell you how to go North because I don't know what that means. I could send you North to Seattle. I could send you North to, I don't know, Canada. I could send you North to Maine. These are all North, but like direction matters. Uh, it, you know, you could go all the way down to Texas and then back up to Maine. So like you could backtrack and still end up technically North. And so again, Google maps in your vehicle, right? Are you walking? <laughs> are you, are you taking public transportation? Are you driving a car? You're riding a bike? Right. Yeah. So the clarity comes from, and we talk about closer versus more. It's like, well, how do you know you're getting closer? You know, I, let's say I want to go to Minneapolis from Denver. Okay. That's a specific place, right? Obviously. That we can say whether we're actually getting closer to Minneapolis from Denver or not, right? Are we getting closer to Minneapolis or further away? And it's much different than saying, I want to go north, which is arbitrary. I want to make more money. Okay. I want to go north. Okay. Same thing, right? So what Google Maps does is you say, hey, I'm here in Denver and I want to go to Minneapolis. And Google Maps is like, bingo. That's exactly what we need because we are a math equation. That's what Google maps is. It's an algorithm. And it says, based on where you are and where you're going, we will work out the most efficient path for you to get there in the least amount of time without having to blow through a bunch of stop signs 
and, you know, go 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. It's going to tell you how to get there safely and how long it's going to take. That is a solvable problem. Google Maps is is giving you. Yeah. And the key there as well, you know, which we'll talk about in a moment is time. How long is it going to take for you to get there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, so that's the closest versus more. I think that's the kind of foundation. So then how does that apply to the solvable problem? Well, in this case, the solvable problem is, um, the steps you need to take the amount of time you need to, t uh, to get there. And actually I think this is, so Google maps in that case, when it tells you where to go, where to turn, how fast you can go on this road, whatever, that is a perfect illustration of a solvable problem. And why is Google Maps able to work that out? I'm going to go to my whiteboard real quick. So for those who are listening in, don't worry, I'll walk you through it. All right, so, all right, Steve, solve this equation. X plus Y plus Z equals 10. Is that Done. a solvable equation? Done. Yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> there's an unlimited number of of options here. I mean, right. X plus Y plus Z equals 10. Okay. Let's say I took out Z X plus Y plus one equals 10. Still infinite number of solutions. Too many variables to solve that. Yep. Right. So, so what the solvable problem does is it, it just like Google maps is it's trying to solve for a single variable. So first of all, we're getting pretty technical here, but it's not as bad as you think, right? So for those who aren't technically minded, stay with me. I'm going to I'm gonna bring this around to some non-technical language here. If we have more than one variable we need to solve for in the equation, so like in the Google Maps example, it's where are you starting? Where are you ending? The other variables is how long is it going to take there to get there? Uh, which route should we take? Right. And maybe a couple other things that, that we're probably not considering, but let's just keep it, you know, as simple as that. Again, if you don't have a single variable equation, that Google Maps won't work. Um, same thing in our business. If we say, hey, I want to, you know, I'm starting at, let's say you got a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account, right? Or a hundred thousand dollars in net worth or whatever. It just really doesn't matter. The point is, is like, here's where I'm starting. I want to get to a million. What's the best way to get there? Well, first of all, we got to tell it, well, how long do you have? What's your time preference? What level of risk are you willing to tolerate? Right? And then I can work out what level of return do I need to get, excuse me, over that time frame to get there uh, safely. Right. So I think Google Maps is just the perfect example of a solvable problem. So when we're talking solvable problem, again, what it's doing is it's telling you the most efficient path to get to your goal. Right. And whether you're on track or not, you take a wrong turn. Google Maps says, uh, uh, you took a wrong turn. Turn, take a U-turn down there, come back around because you need to get right back on track. Right. That's what the solvable problem helps us do in our business. Yeah. It tells you as well, whether you're on track or not. So I think you know, another way to illustrate this, you know, because there are a lot of variables. I mean, just something as simple, right? If you're driving from Phoenix to Denver, if you're driving a gas vehicle or electric vehicle, right? It's a different, there's different variables at play here, right? What if the weather conditions are different? There are things that we, that may affect your travel and then you can adjust and compensate 
accordingly. So the example that was given when we were having our certainty event back in Denver was, let's just say hypothetically, you know, uh, you're expecting your first child and you're out of town and your wife calls you and says, hey, I'm going to labor right now, right? You're a six hour drive away. Now, if you're a six hour drive away and you think the labor is gonna occur in about six hours, you're probably going over the speed limit, right? right? But if it's a six hour drive away and your doctor says, you've got time, we're probably thinking nine or 10 hours, but it's really important to you, it's absolutely critical you're there when she delivers, you might want to stop at every stop sign. You might want to buckle up, maybe even drive the speed limit so that there are no reasons for you to get pulled over or anything else or get into an accident. So if you've got more time, if you've got plenty of runway, you can play it a little less risky. But if you're at risk of missing your target, then you know Google Maps is telling you you're missing your target, you might take a few more risks. You know. You might blow through that yellow light. You might do a rolling stop versus a complete stop. Might cut off that guy or go, you know, maybe passing some way in a one-way lane where you're not supposed to pass someone in a one-way lane. I mean, what you're describing, I'm, you know, we're sort of finding the best language to describe this still because we understand it conceptually, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people, other people understand it. Really what you just helped me realize right there is like, we're really just trying to solve for one number. Do I need to blow this stop sign or not? Yeah. How fast do I need to go? And I would equate, equate that to risk. Right. How much risk do I need to take so that I still get where I'm going in my timeline that's appropriate. You know, most of us that got into this business, we're not interested in retiring at 65 years old on a 401k. Like, screw that. I'm not in for that. Like, I do not want anything to do with that. Right. So that means we need to have some more clarity. You know, when, when you say, hey, I want to retire at 65, that's a pretty, you know, you've defined the endpoint. You've defined the time frame. You might need to also define, well, how much money do I need at 65 in order to retire? What am I starting with now? Then how much do I need to contribute every month? And how much does that portfolio need to return in order for me to be on track to fund my goals? That's the same thing. All we're saying is just adjust the variables, adjust the parameters a little bit. Right. We're adjusting the risk. So like right now, most people listening to this right now should know how much cash you have in the bank right now. It's a pretty good indicator of how many dollars you can put consistently into a bank, uh, not to a bank account, but into uh, a treasury of some sort or another, right? So you know how much you have right now and you know how much you can put in per month. You also probably know, or we, we're gonna work through to figure out how many dollars you need and when you need it. And with all that information, using certaintyapp.com, you can figure out what's the required return on investment to get there. Correct. And that helps you modify or adjust your risk accordingly. Yeah, we say this, that the solvable problem informs behavior. So just like the Google Maps informs your behavior on where you should turn or, oh, I need to turn back around or, oh, hey, you know, you need to speed up a little bit because you need to be there by 2.30 and you're running late, mm -hmm. you know, or guess what? You caught a couple good lights, a couple favorable situations 
for you. And you're going to get there 10 minutes early so you can slow down a little bit. Or you got you caught, you got caught behind one of those really long trains and <laughs> you better make up for lost time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like without having that, um, you know, navigation, how the heck are you supposed to know whether you're going in the right direction? Am I, am I on, am I going to be on time? Am I going to be late? Yeah. Do I need to hurry up or can I slow down? And I think, you know, for me, like how this, again, talking about case in points, you know, one of the things about myself is I don't have a lot of flips, you know, and right now, thank goodness. Right. Um, and the reason always why I didn't have all those flips is because I've been kind of had this scar tissue from 2007, which I saw all those, all those people that got caught right when the music stopped. And so for me, I've left a lot of upside on the table, truthfully, throughout these, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years that we had this amazing uh, run, right? I've left a lot of money on the table. But for me, you know, it was always consistently in the back of my mind, do I need to risk losing everything? Because that's what happens if you got 10 flips out there. You're not losing everything, but you're losing a pretty sizable chunk when the music stops. So you know, talking about informing behavior, how much risk you need to take. That's the reason why I never got all those flips because that was a risk I didn't have, I've ever felt comfortable with. Kind of talking about, you know, um, solve a problem is how much risk do you need to take? For me, I, ne I felt like I never needed to take that risk. Yeah. Well, what's the biggest risk that we face? Not getting out of life what you want. There you go. Why are we on this planet? Like, the biggest risk that all of us run, anybody who's listening to this, the biggest risk that we run is not getting the things that we want out of life. Right. Cause because then what's the, what's point? the point? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. You know, we're using our investments. We're using our businesses to help us get closer to the things that we want. We should be doing that. Right. If you're not, it could be because you don't have, first of all, you don't have clarity on what that is, what it is that you actually want. I would recommend starting there. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I want to go North from Denver. Well, okay. Then I, you could pretty much go like a lot of different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, if you don't have clarity, we don't know where we're going. We got to start there. Secondly, we got to have the Google maps for our life. Right. And we're going to talk about, I want to talk about the difference between like a personal solvable problem and a business solvable problem because these aren't the same they're not so before um, you jump into that before that do that transition just real quick guys we are putting up all our masterclass videos on blockchainwales.com so if you guys want to check out some of the other conversations where we have about this where we go in even further depth we're putting out some masterclass videos up on blockchainwales.com all right so go ahead yeah these are going to be amazing. We're going to have a ton of information about these specific things. One of them is going to be the solvable problem. So definitely check that out. Uh, I'm going to be working on those over the weekend. So hopefully should, they should be up uh, early next week. So business, business solvable problem versus a personal solvable problem. Right now, we've been talking a lot about personal solvable problems, which is very, very relevant, right? So how much do we need in order to retire let's say retire. Cause I don't even know what the hell that means. Like I'm not retiring. I love doing business. I, I'm not going to just stop working because to me that's fun. Um, so how much do I need so that I can play business as a sport for the rest of my life? Right. right? So I don't have to worry about the money that's coming in, figure out that number, 
figure out how long you're willing to work for the longer, the less risk you need to take. Right. So I would encourage people to not try to rush to get there in a year, two years, right? An appropriate time frame is, is needed here so that we can take the least amount of risk. Again, it's like your example, Hey, my wife's in labor. It's like, well, I really wish you had told me that like an hour ago. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Because now I got to speed and I got to rush and I got to like break a bunch of laws in order to get there in time. Right. So like the longer we have, the less risk we need to take, first of all. So try to make sure you have an appropriate timeline. I'm not trying to retire at 65, but 10 years from now, that's appropriate, I would say. Right. Maybe even in 15 years. Um, for some of us, it might be less depending on where you're starting or where you're at in your journey, but pick an appropriate time frame. Right. So personal solvable problem. Now let's talk about business solvable problem. So what does your business need in order, you know, to make it reliable? Because really that's how I approach business is I want to use these businesses to help fund my personal solvable problem. And so my business solvable problem isn't necessarily the same as my, as my personal solvable problem. I want it to take up very little of my time. I want to be in the owner's box in, in, in all cases. Why? Because I choose to do business as a sport. I like to play a lot of different sports. Yep. Like I just, that's, that's what's fun for me. So my business solvable problem needs to be how much is my business, op, what are my operating costs? What does it cost me to run this business? You know, on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis, let's say it takes $10,000 to run that business. The way I look at a business solvable problem is like, okay, well, what if I could create a, a scenario where I had $10,000 being produced in passive income from my business every single month so that my business operates at net zero? Whether we do a deal or not, $10,000 is coming in. The bills are paid. Right. And, that and can what be we call that tool is a business treasury. We call that a business treasury. And the business treasury is there to solve the solvable problem for the business. Right. Yep. And I was going to say, like, there's one, there's multiple ways of doing this, right? I mean, one of them is a business treasury. And we talked about earlier. The other one I see a lot of real estate people do is maybe ancillary services. You know, um, selling the fries and Coke with the big, that comes with the Big Mac. But either way, you know, having a business solvable problem um, I think g giving you clarity so that you don't have to do that next deal, right? That scenario where I was sharing with you, you know, like, Hey, this rehab, you might make 10% net profit, but there's still risk there. And you, now you look at it, it's like, well, do I want, you know, I'm reading the news right now, right? This is maybe this is April, May. I'm reading the news right now. Do I want to take this risk, not take this risk? And, but if you don't have your business solvable problem figured out, you might have to take that risk because you need to do a deal to bring in revenue. You don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. it, it limits your options significantly. So one of the, the phrases that we talk a lot about in the whale club and as part of the certainty operating system is that we want to take, we want to have the least amount of risk, least amount of effort and most amount of optionality. When you have to do a deal, that's pretty high effort. If you don't do the deal, you're screwed. That's pretty high risk. Yep. 
And because you're in this, um, fight or flight may not be the right way to say it, but like when you have you're in the to corner, do you're painted in the corner. Yes. When you have to do that deal, your options are very low. Meaning if a better opportunity came about outside of your business or otherwise, even inside, inside your business, oftentimes you're just so shackled by the fact that like, if we don't do a deal, we're going to go out of business. That's not a great place to be in. No, not at all. And I think the other thing too, I just want to, like, there's something I heard uh, Nick, right? Nick Peterson say to Pete Kavanaugh, right? One of our Whale Club members who's trying to tokenize his real estate portfolio, his real estate fund, was we were talking about like, you know, the solvable problem. It, it sounds like, you know, we're just trying to reduce risk, right? It's what it sounds like because you have a bunch of entrepreneurs. You don't have to tell us to take risk, right? Um, but what Nick's counterpoint was like, yeah, for most people in this room, it means that, yeah, maybe we should take less risk. But for people in most other rooms that are trying to be able to retire to a certain point, they may need to take more risk, right? How many people have you talked to? It's like, oh, you know, I love to retire uh, when I'm 55, 60, travel the world. It's like, okay, great. Like, how is it looking? You know, let's look at your portfolio. You look at the S&P going down 30% this year. You look at inflation uh, around double digit, right? These people are not making their progress to retire and travel the world at 55. They may need to take more risk. And until they have a solvable problem, they might not realize that they're not taking enough risk to retire. I mean, yeah, we need to know what our number is. Okay. So let's like turn this into some practical things that people that are listening here can take and work on. Cause we're talking very abstractly. So what is the solvable problem? And let's, let's go back to personal for a second here business. You would probably use a similar strategy to come up with this. Um, so if we're talking about the solvable problem in Dan's new book, Rigging the Game that comes out here in a couple of weeks. And if you guys are listening to this, you want to get a free copy of that. Uh, actually, I've got it on my uh, Instagram. You can go to Paul Sparks Official on my Instagram. There's a link. You can click that and you can get on the wait list. For all the whales, we got free copies for you guys. If there's any extras left over, and there might be a few, um, we can we can get those out to you guys. Um, I don't know. He described were, this we were a lot of 260 between you and me. So I've been talking about it. So we'll see if there's still any left. But please, guys, go, go to Paul's Instagram and see if you can get it. <laughs> Steve's flexing on me a little bit. He's like, nah, I got, I got those 260 covered already. All right. So solvable problem is made up of core priorities. So like retirement, what do you need to retire? Um, paying off debt and let's call it like, reserves how much cash do you need in the bank i think about the solvable problem in these two buckets um uh, not priorities but preferences so you got your core priorities which are made up your of your retirement your debt payoff and your reserves right and then you've got preferences so this might be one number and this might be another number because let's say some of us are like, I want a private jet and I want to own an island in, you know, the Southeast Pacific, whatever. 
doesn't really matter. The point is we all have different preferences. That's totally okay. We just need to try to work backwards to get a number that we can work towards. And I realize that for a lot of people, they're like, do I want a million dollars? Do I want $2 million? Do I want $10 million? Do I want $100 million? Guess what? We know that you're not always going to want to go from Denver to Minneapolis. That might change along the way. What we want is a way to work out the most efficient path to get where we're going now. And I reserve the right to change my mind. We don't want to aimlessly chase more. So what we advise for folks that are trying to come up with their solvable problem is I want you to take, let's forget about preferences for now. Because I'm telling you, folks in the Whale Club got, get hung up on this way too much. And it doesn't need to be this complicated. So here's what I want you to do. If you're listening to this, I want you to take your yearly spend. So let's say you want to spend a, a, a let's say you want to spend $10,000 a month. $10,000 a month is good enough to get you everything that you want in life. Right? Right. So that's $120,000 a year. Say again. $10,000 a month when you retire. That's what you want. Right. You want $10,000 a month when you retire. And so I want you to take that number and multiply it by 25. And I can't do that math in my head. I probably should be able to, but I don't want to. Times 25 is $3 million. There's your solvable problem number. Stop overthinking it. Right. If yeah. you've got any additional preferences, so you want to own a million dollar house into Hawaii, add a million. You want to pay off your kids. You got kids that want to go to college. You got three kids. It's going to cost you a hundred grand for each of them to go to college. Now okay? my kids are going to Juco. Yeah. Not Steve's kids, but <laughs> <laughs> I went out of state and my parents had to pay a buttload of money for me to go to college. And luckily I had to pay, I had to pay a lot of that myself uh, back. But fortunately I was, I had parents who were willing to let me go out of state. Yeah. Um, you got some comments on your kids going to college? They're going to community college. Yeah, I ain't right. paying for squat. There you go. So if you're trying to come up with your number, right, take your yearly spend, multiply it by 25. This is what we call the rule of four. For those who are in finance or whatever, you might have heard this. Rule of four, right? So keep it simple. We want $3 million dollars. You know, plus a million, plus three hundred thousand. There's your solvable problem. Yeah, that's where you got to be. That's the that's that's your target number for your solvable problem. That's step one. That's step one. Step one is get clarity. Decide where you're going. You going to Minneapolis? You going to Chicago? You going to Seattle? Which one are you going to? Figure that out. That's that number. Then what I want you to do, step two, is go to certaintyapp.com. Certaintyapp.com. That's with a C. For anyone who doesn't spell so good, certainty. Uh, you're going to plug that number into a simple calculator, right? So I'm I'm going to do this with you guys right now because what we're trying to work backwards to is, well, how much risk do I need to take? Where And, and you got to give it a couple things. So you're going to tell it where you're starting now. You might be starting at zero. Totally fine. That's not the point. You might be starting at, a, you know, at... 2,500,000 and you need to get to three. Well, that's still very helpful to know, right? So you take what you're starting with and you take what you're ending with 
you might take your, you put your timeline in. So let's say 10 years. So for easy numbers, I'm not going to use 3 million. I'm going to use 1 million. All right. So my target balance is a million dollars. And I'm actually on the certainty app right now doing this. If anybody is, uh, wants to follow along, you can go to certaintyapp.com. but you can do this retroactively. And it's going to make sense just listening to this too. So we're start. we want to get to a million dollars. By October 7th, 2032, that's 10 years from now, 10 years from today, that's going to be a good day. I've got $100,000, let's say, I'm starting with, that I can choose to invest. And, and we're not talking about where you might invest. It might be real estate, it might be crypto, it might be stocks, it might be gold. You know, it doesn't really matter. The point is, we're trying to understand what level of return we need to hit that target. It's anywhere so start about a bank account. $100, say again, sorry. It's anywhere but a bank account. Anybody, don't let it sit and uh, get eaten away by the rats of inflation and, yeah. and pals coming for you. So don't put it in the bank. Yeah. Um, so initial investment of $100,000, let's say we can add $1,000 a month, right? We also got to include taxes here, but most of us as business owners and real estate investors, we're not paying 30, 40% tax, paying significantly less than that. So I typically use 20% as my tax rate, but you can adjust this. This is all sliders to adjust, right? I hit calculate. What it tells me is I need a 20.4% return net. So I need a 20% return to start with a thousand dollars, to start with a hundred thousand dollars, adding 12,000 a year. And in 10 years, if I get a 20% return, I'm going to have a million dollars. I'm going to get where I'm going. Yep. And I like this because this also tells you that we know where we are and we know where we want to be and we know how much risk we need to take right now, which is 20.4%. Now, let's just say you have a killer quarter and you happen to be able to put away an extra 50K, right? Now, instead of being a thousand a month, you're way ahead of schedule. Now you have $153,000 in there. If you go back to Certainty app, Dot com, you plug that number in and now it tells you the risk. And, you know, if you get to a point where we're talking about, you know, if you're going, you get, you hit a couple of fortunate green lights, you know, you got an open runway and you're able to go a little faster or you're able to make significant progress. Now you can reduce your risk. And I think that's kind of the, the biggest takeaway for me personally, you know, looking back, learning about the certainty principles, learning about the solve a problem, this and that, like, truthfully in the last 12 months i've taken a lot more risk than was really necessary that if i knew my solvable problem i might not have taken the same exact risk right so if you look at your progress and you look at you know i personally know someone who's going to lose two million dollars this year you know on their flips it's a pretty substantial hit right to the pocketbook um but if you know your solvable problem you might look and say well maybe I don't need to do as many flips this year. Maybe this year, I'm, I'm, uh, 2020 was a really good year for me. 2021 was a really good year for me. Maybe in 2022, I just let off the gas a little bit. Take a little bit risk. Because if you've got your solvable problem, now you can see how much risk you need to take. Or how little risk yep. you need to take. Yeah, and you're describing a situation where maybe you're ahead of pace. Or maybe you just lost $2 million, you got kicked in the shin, and now you're like behind pace. Okay, but what we're doing is we're referencing a pace, right? We know where we need to be, 
and we can assess where we are relative to that. So we're behind pace. It could tell you one of two things. It might say, yeah, you need to take on additional risk if you want to get there. You doing what you're doing right now is not going to get you to your goals. It also might mean you might need to extend your timeline. Like, you know, it's like the wife in labor, you know, it's a funny example, but it's like, babe, I, I need 30 more minutes. <laughs> Just hold on. <laughs> it's, I can't get there without probably going to jail for, you know, so I'm taking on a lot of risk. So it's like, I just, I need another 30 minutes. That's it. Yeah. And so knowing whether you're behind or whether you're ahead of pace is extremely important. And this is one of the other things that I want to share. So we talk about clarity. You know, this is another say, way of saying closer versus more. We know where we're going. So we know whether we're getting closer or not. So we got to have that. This is, you know, I keep, I don't know why I'm, I, I'm picking on Minneapolis in this, uh, in this call, but I'm picking on Minneapolis in a good way, right? So we're trying to get closer to Minneapolis from Denver. Google maps says, this is how you get there. Least amount of risk, least amount of effort, most amount of options. We call that the solvable problem. We know whether we're on track or we're not on track. But then we get this amazing scenario where we made an extra $50,000 like you described. We're ahead of pace. So what can we do with that? We can use it to collapse time, right? So instead of it taking 10 years, we actually can keep the same risk, to risk tolerance, risk profile, but because we're over, we're, we're going to get there in nine years. Then you have another killer year. And it's like, oh, wow, we're on track to get there in seven years. You know, 2020, 2021, amazing years for us, right? Whatever. Yep. Point is, is we had a 10-year goal. Because of those two years, we shortened it to like, you know, now we're going to get there in, let's say, six years. But then we got a 2022, and we lose a bunch of money. And so we're back to seven years. But you say, well, that's okay because all I needed to do is get there in 10. And I'm still on track to do that, right? So this, this idea of collapsing time is extremely helpful because we know whether we're ahead of pace or we're behind pace. Right. And I think, you know, we're talking about this in real estate context. You know, we talk about the labor context and Google Maps. But, you know, you look at this as far as, you know, the stock market, we all heard there's not a person on the planet that hasn't heard buy low, sell high. Everyone knows this. And yet nobody does this. Right. And so using the solvable problem helps you have the clarity and the certainty to, so that you would feel comfortable taking profits. Right. The other thing too, you know, I actually had a uh, lunch a moment ago. Uh, with a very respected person in town. And he said for the last two, three years, he hasn't been marketing. He hasn't had to, right? He's already achieved his solvable problem. But now that the market's getting interesting, it's getting a little hairy. He's, you know, licking his lips, getting ready to feast again, right? He can do that because he didn't have to do deals for the last three years. He's got optionality optionality yeah yeah he's got a lot of options that's a good place to be 
Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where we all want to get to, right? Where we don't have to do anything. I don't have to do a deal in my business. I don't have to start a new business if I don't want. I don't got to get out of work to go to, I don't got to get out of bed to go to work every day. I have the option to do that. And I choose that option a lot of times, Yeah, you know, and I'm not exactly where I want to be, but you know, the, let's talk about crypto for a second because mm-hmm. this one bit me and bit me hard this year. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll really make you, do you really have a solvable problem, Paul? <laughs> or are you just saying that? Cause it's a cool, nice word, right? Well, you were aware of it. Catchy. You just may not have been, uh, it might not have been hundred percent internalized. That's exactly right. We talk about the difference between our, our thoughts and our uh, uh, words versus our actual behaviors. Dan calls it the espoused values versus theories in action. So another way of saying what you think and what you say you do versus what you actually do, what's the gap there, right? Well, I had a, I had a gap, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened? Last year, I got into crypto DeFi, let's just say, right? Learned how to create massive amount of upside using, you know, a tool that very few people know how to use. And this is what we show people how to do as part of the whale club, right? And so we Mm -hmm. show people how to create passive income, how to create business treasuries, how to create clarity and certainty, right? And what happened? The, 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 The coins, I mean, I don't mind sharing numbers. You know, I started with around... 30, 40,000 that quickly turned into like almost $2 million in a year. And, and we talk about it and it's like, I just got caught watching this rocket take off. Like, whoa, this is insane. I was so far ahead of pace that what happened? I sat there saying, and I was like, yeah, but what if it doubles again? Mm-hmm. What if I went from 2 million to 4 million. You know, because it had just done the, one of the coins that I had acquired through the strategy of, you know, business treasury accumulating these things. It had done almost a 100x. And I was like, all I need is another like three or four X from here. Game over. <laughs> another three or four X. Right. Another three or four X. I've already done a hundred. That's not unreasonable to think. Of course, that's the that's the definition of chasing more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And so what I said is, well, I got a 10-year goal, but I could get there in two years if it just does this. Well, what happened? Went down the a little market bit. Tanked. The market tanked, <laughs> right? Yeah. That $1.8 million evaporated to about, you know, 250, 300 pretty quickly. And I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, I really wish I had locked in my financial certainty. I didn't take any chips off the table because I didn't have a solvable problem. I was going from Denver and just going north as far as I could go. Yeah. I had no idea where I was headed and whether I was on track to get there. And because of that, if I had known those things, I would have known to pull risk off the table because the risk is that the market does what the market does. And now you're back in the same place. Yeah. I think, one of the really cool things, you know, going to the certainty event in Denver uh, a month or two ago, last month, was I got to I got a chance, right, to meet a couple members uh, in, in our community that have hit their number, and they've taken those chips off the table, and now they're just living life however they want to live, and that's a pretty cool thing, right? Because if you don't have the solvable problem, then what's the default? 
You're just going to keep chasing more. More and more and more. But this coin could do another three or four X. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but when you get there, you're probably going to say the same thing you just said to me right now. It could do another three to four X. Yeah, that goalpost just keep moving. There you go. Yeah, right. Ian's listening. Went down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. It'll yeah. be all right. We'll be fine. Long slight, enough time preference. It'll slight be okay. bear market. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the science of hindsight for a second here, because mm -hmm. that's really what we're what we're referencing. You know, and you said something earlier in this conversation about no one can sell, no one can buy the bottom and sell the top. No. Repeatedly. Why? Because the only way to know you're at the bottom and the only way to know you're at the top is through hindsight. Right. Is to get to the top and then come back down. And then you're like, oh, right. That was the top. Yeah. I mean, the only way you know is if you're Biff from Back to the Future, you might not be old enough for this. You come back with the sports I, almanac. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way. Beyond that, no, you can't know. I think it's funny that Biff went back and like bet on a bunch of sports games and stuff like that. If right. they had crypto nowadays, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going. I'll mind. take this, I'll take these cryptos. Yeah. Um, you'd make I'll, a lot I'll more take money Bitcoin for eighty cents. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And hold it the whole time, right? Because right? science of hindsight, we know where it's going. That's the perfect example. You know, you give that example all the time. People who are like, "Oh, I had a chance to buy Bitcoin at a dollar." It's like. You're probably the same person who would have sold it at $2 right. or at $3. You know, you'd have been like, woohoo, 200% return. Yeah, there's very few diamond yeah. hands. Very few diamond hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many times has, I mean, the, the most recent was Bitcoin ran from, you know, about 10,000 up to 69,000 and dropped back to about 20 where we're at now. But you can look at the cycles. It's done that. Over and over and over and over again, right? So science of hindsight. Right. Will that happen again this time? I don't know. Are we at the bottom? I don't know. We only know that looking backwards. Yeah. So what, what are you going to do about it? We have to have a tool to be able to not necessarily try to time the market, but help us navigate whether we're actually getting closer to the things that we want. What does the what does the crypto market have anything to do with us getting closer to the things that we want? Nothing. It's just a tool we use to help us get there. Right. And that's like this part right here. You know, uh, we were coming up with a title. Uh, you know, I went with reducing anxiety, reducing decision anxiety was solvable problem because it's easier to sell and take profits when you know your purpose. If you exactly. don't know your purpose, if you don't know your solvable problem, now it's like, should I sell? Should I buy? Should I sell more? Should I buy more? Should I sell? It's, it's just a question that at that point, if you don't have this, I guess we call them preferences. There's no right answer because we don't know your solvable problem. My six word update for today was clarity without solvable problem is worthless. Yeah. Because just because you know where you're going First of all, most people don't have clarity. So let's just let's just say that. Without clarity, none of this matters anyways. Yeah. But even if you have clarity, without knowing whether you're getting closer or further away or knowing whether you need to add risk or take risk off the table, um, it's a recipe to take on more risk than is necessary 
to add more effort to the equation than is necessary and to reduce your options significantly, right? So the solvable problem is used to inform behavior so that when that rocket ship takes off again or when the real estate market turns back around and and it's gangbusters like it was in 2021, again, we will be prepared based on knowing what we want, having that clarity, having built a solvable problem that tells us it's the Google Maps of our life, whether we're on track or not. Do I need to speed up or can I slow down? Do I need to take this turn or this turn? That's what the solvable problem tells you. And then lastly, we have a mechanism to know whether we're ahead of pace or behind pace so we can take risk off the table or we can collapse the time it takes us to get there. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. So, um, guys, if you guys are interested in joining our our wait list uh, for the next cohort of the Whale Club, go to blockchainwhales.com. And again, we're going to put a bunch of masterclass videos where we're going to dive deeper into some of these topics. If you guys are interested in checking that out, go to blockchainwhales.com. So um, I think this is a great point to end it here. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, we've talked a lot about how to earn passive income with crypto. Okay. So what I'm planning on doing is making all of that completely free. And so first step is go to blockchainwhales.com. I'm going to put out a free masterclass. We'll have this over the next... Give me a few days. I still got to work on it. I don't want to put an old video. I want to make a new one. I'm going to do that probably tomorrow. And I'm going to literally walk you through the exact steps I've used to create passive income with crypto and to create your business treasury. I'll have this masterclass. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it down because there's a lot of technical things that you need to do in order to do that. I'm going to keep all of those videos on our Discord, which is going to be completely free. If you want to join our Discord and be a part of our community, we got the link down below. So first step is go watch this masterclass. It'll be out here in a couple days. When you see the power of what Steve and I are talking about here, which you absolutely will, the next step you're going to want to do is join our Discord. That will have all the how-to videos on how to set up all your accounts, how to move the money around, how to buy coins, how to do all these specific things that you're going to need to do. It's very different than buying Bitcoin on Coinbase. Let me just tell you that. Some of you guys might be thinking, oh, I know how to buy a crypto. I've not run into very many people that know how to do what we're doing, right? So, so like I said, go watch the masterclass. When you've done that, join our Discord. We're going to have a ton of free videos that'll walk you through how to do this. If you're still interested in that point, you can join our waitlist for the next cohort, which is going to start at some point, you know, whenever we feel like doing it, basically. I'm going to Hawaii for three weeks in November, so I may just take a break until December. Um, but that's how you guys can get involved with us. Go check out all the free stuff we're putting on our website, blockchainwhales.com. Join our free Discord. And if you're still interested, then you can get signed up for our waitlist. Awesome. Perfect. We'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys all for watching. See you guys all next week.